All right. Welcome, everyone, to Live from My Drum Room. My guest today is the great Cindy Blackman Santana, a dear, dear friend of mine for over 30 years. Um, I'm so happy to have Cindy on the show today with me and um, excited to, to talk to her and catch up. Cindy is a virtuoso drummer who's equally comfortable leading her own jazz band as she is powering a rock band. She's well known for her 17 years playing with Lenny Kravitz and since 2016 being the backbeat, the drummer for Carlos Santana's band and Carlos Santana, of course, being her husband. Well, but Cindy's jazz cred uh, is really deep. She's got incredible credentials as a jazz musician, as a leader, um, reads as a who's who in the jazz world, including a tribute to her mentor, the late, great Tony Williams, who we'll talk a lot about as well. So without further ado, please welcome my guest, the one and only Cindy Blackman Santana. All right. You hearing that audience response, Cindy? Are you hearing that? <laughs> oh, yeah, I did Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> got, a, got a big crowd. Got a big crowd watching today, so. I love it. <laughs> I just, I have to tell you, I just got this Zoom. I have to give a shout out to the people at Zoom. I just got this Zoom pod track eight uh, podcast interface, and I'm learning how to use it as we go, so. <laughs> thanks, for letting, <laughs> thanks for letting me fool around with it today. Uh, awesome. <laughs> uh, it, it's so great to see you. Thanks for being here today. My pleasure. It's great to see you too. And thanks for the invite. I'm really honored. Oh, I, the honor is truly mine, Cindy. You're, you're, um, you've been at the top of my list for a long time. And I know we, we've sort of gone back and forth. You've been so busy. And um, I'm just glad we could finally land on a date. And here we are today. So thank you. Me too. I'm glad to. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So you're you're in San Francisco. Is that where you guys are spending most of your time now, or actually, right now we're in Las Vegas. You're in Las um, Vegas. Yeah. Currently, we currently we we do not live in San Francisco, um, in the Bay Area. So we we're spending time between uh, Las Vegas and and Kauai. I see. Well. Two beautiful spots. I'd, I'd pick Kauai over Las Vegas, but that's just me. That's <laughs> you're, you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to to the folks living in Las Vegas, but yeah, no, that's that's okay. You have a that's good. You have a good mix of your world, you know. Yeah, you do. I mean, it's um, it's definitely an opposite thing, you know, in terms of just the weather. You know, when you're in Kauai, everything is so lush and so rich and so moist. And, you know, the rain is incredible. One day, um, about a month and a half ago, we had six inches of rain in one hour. Wow. I mean, it's it's just and it's it shows in all of the foliage, all of the crops, you know, the plants, the trees, everything is just so gorgeous and so healthy. You know, and then you come to Las Vegas, completely <laughs> dry, <laughs> dusty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, yeah. It it sounds beautiful in Kauai. Yeah, it is. It is. And you yeah. know, there's something to be said about the desert, though. I mean, it, it's um very calm. You know, uh, very windy at this point because this is the windy season. But 
you know, it's, it's, it's really calm here. So when you come here, it's, it's puts you in a different kind of meditative spot. Although, you know, nothing beats Kauai. Well, I was, I was saying off the air and I'll say it to everybody watching that um, I wore this shirt just for you. You know, the, the team, yeah, the team shirt. Go Gretch. <laughs> yeah, go Gretch. Yeah, I, I can't I can't not think of you and our friend Tony and um you know, I mean that's just uh well I can I can never think of you without thinking of Tony being reminded in some way just because of you know the history and the friendship and the love and everything. So Oh, um, thank you. That that means a lot. I'm actually this I'm in my meditative room right now and this I call my Tony Williams room. So uh, I'm in Room. I mean, we have other friends too. You know, Miles is in here, Kenny Clark is in here, and Papa Joe and Max, and you know, some of the greats are in here. But this is the Tony Williams room. <laughs> That's great. That's great. You know, I I made a note. I was going to sort of get to it a little bit later, but I, I I'm going to just say it because I think, and maybe you've heard this before from other people, Cindy. But I, you know, I think you've been really, really without even trying to do this, you've, you've helped expose like a generation of people to Tony that probably would not have been exposed to him. And, and I have to thank other people who have told you this, that you've, you've people that love the way you play and, and, and you have your own style obviously, but, but you, what you do is such a great tip of the hat to Tony, um, as you've said many times, you know, and I, and I just think it's wonderful that you're helping to carry that on, you know, for future generations. It's so important. Well, if, if if it's working out that way, that's that's an incredible thing because his contributions, and I say plural, uh, were so, so, so incredible and so important and so necessary and needed. Um, you know, if you want to go to the school of drumming, then you can just study that one guy and you can get it all because he studied everybody, you know, and, and he figured out how to interject in his way, you know, the most um, phenomenal things from each of those people that he studied, each of those masters that he studied, you know, from what he got from Kenny Clark, from Baby Dodds all the way, you know, to um, Lou Hayes, you know, uh, yeah. all the cats that he studied and everybody in between, you know, um, it's in there. So you're hearing the lineage and the history of the drums when you hear Tony play. And it doesn't matter what uh, genre he's playing, what style he's playing. You know, you, you hear that history. And to me, that's that's important because we have to um, we have to understand where we came from. And you don't have to try to play like Tony or try to play like any of these people, but to understand what that lineage is, why certain things happened, you know, how did it develop that, you know, we started playing a four limb style, you know, where did this, this riff come from or that riff come from in the music, you know, so it's not even just about what he did domestically, you know, technique and, and all that stuff, which is just in sound, which is just, uh, yeah, he just gave way more than any other person was ever you know, expected to give, you know, um, but then when you listen to what he did in the music conceptually, it just mm-hmm. takes it to another plateau. So, you know, to me, he's a person who is a must acknowledge 
you know, I don't care what kind of music you play, but he's a must acknowledge. And to me, he's a must study depending on, you know, how far you want to get into this thing of, of the world of, of drumming, you know, and if you really are serious, then to me, that's one person that you can't uh, avoid. Well said. Yeah. Well said. And, and I think, you know, to me, it's like, even when he wasn't, even when he wasn't composing a song, he was composing a drum part. Like, you know, so many of the things that he played as a sideman, you know, whether it was with Miles Davis or just, you know, uh, could be with a, you know, with a rock band or a fusion band, but he was composing these parts that were, were just that compositions. And I, I've discovered Tony a little later in life than you did. And, uh, and, I, and I just remember it like opening my eyes and opening all these doors. And all of a sudden, all these other people that I'd been listening to made more sense to me, you know, and uh, it was probably different for you because I think, and I was going to ask you, I know you discovered Max really young. That was, was he like your first kind of the, the first person to get that sort of open that door to jazz to you? He was, yes, he was. was. And, and we had a a drummer friend in our family, a family friend uh, who played with, with Jackie McLean, um, Doug Woods. And he said, you know, <laughs> you have to check out some Max Roach. So he wrote out a pattern, which was, you know, four-way pattern of triplets in the left hand, two and four on the sock symbol, four, four feathered lightly over the bass drum, and, you know, playing a ride pattern uh, in the right hand. And I was like, huh? You know, because everything <laughs> that I heard before was all three-limb style, which was great, yeah. you know, but that was like my first, you know, foray into the world of, of jazz drumming. And, and, uh, so yeah, that was, that was Max Roach. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and how, so, and you'd, so when you discovered Max, you'd already been playing a while anyway. So you already had some of the fundamentals together as far as playing, like you say, you're used to playing three limb approach. Um, you like a teenager when you discovered Max? Yes. Yeah. I was, um, uh, I was 13. 13. Okay. And then how much I, I, well, we're, we're roughly the same age. So I know, you know, like that, how, how important those people can be, you know, at that time in your, of your life too. And, you know, those formative years, but you had already been playing a number of years. I know before that. Um, so you probably, I'm guessing the concept came to you pretty easily. You, you, you were able to kind of, um, you know, understand it, comprehend it and play it. I was able to comprehend it, you know, um, and I definitely could understand it here. And once I put it, you know, to application here, you know, on the drums, I was like, oh, okay, this is opening. That's where that sound that I'm hearing on this record is coming from. Okay, that's what this person's doing. Then it just opened up my whole understanding, you know, and it's funny because I heard I heard um, Elvin after I heard Max and then I heard Art Blakey after I heard Elvin. So I thought that Art Blakey came from Elvin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's... (laughs) I might not even say as a child, you know, I didn't know, you know, and then the more I studied, um, and then a grown-up kind of laughed at me, and the the, the more I studied, you know, I was like, oh, okay, Art is the daddy of everybody. (laughs) You know, everybody has to pick with He's the daddy. Okay, I get it. (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) Well, so do you remember about how old you were when you first heard Tony, like, and... And what, what was it a Miles Davis record? What that, whatever it was that you heard that sort of 
flip that switch for you? Yes, I was also 13. It was later that year. Okay. Um, I heard Max earlier in the year. And then my older sister, um, and I say older just to make a, 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 a set the, the, the picture in motion. Um, she was singing at the time. She was a singer. Mm-hmm. And um, she had a friend who was a guitar player. So all these people are, you know, my, my seniors. Uh, but she had a friend who's a guitar player. And this guy said, hey, you know, if you're really, really serious about the drums, then you need to check. Actually, I wasn't 13. I think it wasn't until I was 15. I think it was about 15 when I really was aware of of Tony. And this guy was like, you know, you got to check out the guy who's the greatest drummer that ever lived. I said, okay. And so he took the house and, and he set me down in his basement. He and his family were upstairs eating or doing something. I don't know what. And he put on records. And after the first record was over, he came down and he said, well, what did you think of that? And I said, my mind is blown. Who was that? You know, and he said, this drummer, he said, guess the age of the drummer. And I was guessing all these ages, you know, that sounded right to me at 15. And he said, no, this drummer is 16 on this record. And I was like, 16, I was stuttering. And it was four and more. You know, so he played four and more for me. And then he played live in Europe. And um, that evening just really blew my mind. I was talking about that drummer that I heard to everybody, anybody who would listen or not. I didn't care if you were listening. I was saying it. (laughs) I was just talking about this drummer. And so I was trying to find, you know, everything I could to hear this drummer. And uh, this other person who's a a musician in the town I lived, I was in West Hartford at that time. Uh, this guy says, you know, the drummer that you keep talking about, he's doing a clinic on Sunday in Weathersfield at Creative Music, oh you know, uh, with Bob, Bob, Bob uh, Gatson's uh, shop. Sure, yeah. And, oh, you, you know, are you going to go? And I said, oh, well, how much does it cost? And he said, $25. And, and I was like, Whoa, that's a lot of money <laughs> for me. Oh know? yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, yeah. I I begged my mom, and and she, you know, she was a single mom, um, you know, just working hard to make sure that her kids were okay. She didn't have any extra money at all, but she she gave me the money, you know, and and um, so I was able to go see Tony, and then that really just floored me after seeing that clinic. I was. <laughs> Yeah. Just on a whole other plateau in terms of what my concept was going to turn into, what my goals were, you know, and what to me drumming was. Yeah, yep. I I had a semi similar experience. I I had a cousin um, who was like a second cousin. Cousin, my my dad's cousin uh, was the father of this guy. So I guess it makes him my second cousin anyway. He's a few years older than me and was a horn player. And I think I was about maybe 15 or 16 and we were at a, at a family event at their house and he played me, you know, he knew I was into all these rock bands. This would have been like 1976, 1977 and um, played me Tony Williams. And he had some Buddy Rich stuff that I, you know, and I was familiar with Buddy because of course you could see him on the Tonight Show, but I didn't know who Tony was. And he, and he kind of said the same thing, like not in a, not in a, like, he didn't make me feel stupid, but he's like, you got, you don't know who Tony Williams is? Like, no, I don't. I, he's like, you got to hear this guy play. And it was so like 
groundbreakingly different to my brain, you know, at that time. Um, and he let me borrow the records, you know, and, and, uh, like I, I really sort of did a deep dive at that time. And, uh, it was just such a left turn, you know, from everything. And then I was just going to say years later, I was working at a drum shop at a music store in Boston in 1982. And we had Tony in for a clinic and I was so nervous around him <laughs> and, and because it was Boston, his, his, I believe his mom, I know he had family there with him and the Gretsch rep kind of brought him in and took him out afterward. I, I only got to say hello to him and, um, but it was just, you know, and, and the guys that were going to Berkeley at the time, I, I just missed you. I, I think you might've already gone to Berkeley and left by the time I was working at Wurlitzer, but, um, Smitty and Jeff Watts were students at Berkeley. And so I met those guys and became friends and Tane and I were just talking about it recently, the Tony clinic. It was, you know, it was just mind blowing for everybody. And, uh, you know, it was just like all these people just kind of with their mouths open, maybe who'd never seen him play before. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I was in Berkeley when those guys were there, but, but by 1982, I was long gone. I was already in New York at that time. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. 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 And, uh, it's amazing. And I know you have, you know, a deep reverence and love for Tony because, you know, we've, we've shared some, <laughs> some great moments. Yeah. So yeah, I, I love that you, that you respect him like that. It's, um, he's the man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I wanted to just, um, really, I just wanted to say thank you because I, I really see that out there. I think your influence on, on a generation of people, um, is so, uh, important. And I think, what you can share to, you know, what you can kind of convey to people is you, the lineage, you know, your, you know, your love for Tony and, and how he was a mentor for you and how that can, you know, you can extend that to another generation. I just think it's so great. Wow. So, thank you. Yeah. Good kudos, Cindy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about, um, I know you, you went to Berkeley for a little while and you studied with Alan Dawson, who also was Tony's teacher. So mm -hmm. how, how was, how was that? I, I would love to just get a, you know, sort of a, an overview of what it was like to like, did you, did you pick Alan's brain on, not that you'd, you'd pick his brain about Tony, but were you, did you go there with the idea of like trying to get some of the concepts that, and not to make this all about Tony, I'm not trying to do that either. I'm realizing I am, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not to, you know, it's hard not to. And I'll answer that. But it reminds me of this story that Billy Hart told me one time. He said that there was this tribute to Philly Joe. And um, he said that, you know, all the drummers were, were playing. And he said, wow, I was trying to play something different. And I realized that's from Philly Joe. He said, and then I was trying to play something else, something else that was different from what everybody else was playing. And I realized that's from Philly Joe. It's like, couldn't get away from that influence. <laughs> so I can't get away from Tony, you know, uh, it's okay, problem. Um, but yeah, uh, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know you studied with Alan for, for while you were in yeah. Boston at Berkeley. Yeah. And um, yeah. I, I didn't know if, if, if he was able, if he shared any of the concepts that, that, you know, that, he and Tony had, or? Uh, oh, I got you. I got you. Yeah. You know, we actually never spoke about that. And I only took two lessons from Alan. Um, when I went to Alan, he was not teaching at Berkeley. 
And I was right. already out of Boston. So I was living with my mom in Hartford, Hartford, Connecticut. So I commuted back to, to his house oh, because okay. I heard that, that he was teaching at his house. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh man, I got to get his number. And Wallace gave me his number. He found the number for me. And, and then I was like, I, I got to call him today. And I called him and, you know, um, I went for the first lesson and he knew I was commuting. So I have to say one thing about him, not only was he an incredible uh, drummer and teacher, but yeah. he was such an amazing person. So sweet and thoughtful because I, he knew that I was commuting, you know, a couple hour, two, three hour drive, whatever it was from Hartford uh, to his house. And so when I got there, instead of starting to play right away, he said, Oh, I want you to just sit down and relax. And he said, and I made you a sandwich. <laughs> so oh, he gave wow. me some, maybe something to eat. <laughs> he gave me a sandwich from juice oh. or something. It was so sweet. And I was looking at him like, wow. I mean, he just, he really floored me in every yeah. respect. Such a gentleman. You know, I, I have only incredible things to say and remember about my times uh, with Alan. And, and they weren't many, but, you know, it, it was really just very impactful. And, um, you know, he just asked me what I wanted. And I said, I want better in independence. I want, you know, better and cleaner technique. And he says, okay, I got you. So, you know, he had me read through um, uh, syncopation and he had me do these exercises. And when I made a mistake, he said, okay, we're going to start there. So that's where we started when I made a mistake. And then we, you know, he gave me his ritual. Yeah. Um, and um, by the time I came back for the second lesson, I already knew the ritual because I was working on that thing like crazy. I mean, I had to read it, but I, but I, I didn't have it totally committed to memory, but, you know, I had played through those 11 pages, wow. you know, yeah. time. and um, he was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> And uh, yeah, he he later told told Wallace. He didn't tell me this, but apparently uh, Wallace says said that he told him that um, two people learned it that fast. One was our hero, and and I was the second. Wow. Um, and I don't know if that's really complete, but that's what I was told. Uh, so yeah, and um, he said, you know. I don't really know what you want me to teach you because you're already playing. You're a professional. I said, yeah, but I, I have to be <laughs> have to be better. You know, I want to learn more. I have to get deeper into, you know, into the way to play the drums, you know, and and basically that was it, you know. And then he told me to play the ritual sometimes with brushes. Um, and those were our lessons. Like I said, I was only able to take two from him. Wow. Uh, yeah but very impactful. Yeah. And, oh, completely. Yeah. And was, so your reading must have been, by the time you, you studied with Alan, your reading was probably really good. I'm guessing, right? You'd At that time, it was really good. At, at this time, it's not so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, understandably. But it, Lenny and where there's no note in sight that you had to read. I just got lazy, you know, but um, at that time, it was <laughs> <laughs> no, this on, on Lenny. I'm just saying that it wasn't that kind of gig, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I, um, I. It was really good at that time, and I still go through those those books, and I still, you know, um, I don't 
practice the ritual as much as I should probably, you know, but I still practice the ritual, you know, I still do the exercises and, you know, try to come up with some variations on the exercises, you know, that work for me, you know? Um, and so it's still a huge uh, impact and still a huge help, you know, for me, just those two lessons that I, that I, I, I experienced with, with Alan. That's great. Wow. That's, that's wonderful that you can, you know, you can take that away and, and say that today that those lessons still, you know, benefit you today. That's, that's what more could you ask for? You know, and I, I didn't know him well. I was, I, um, I got to know him a little bit toward the end of his, his life when I first started at my time at Zildjian and it, you summed him up perfectly from my, uh, you know, the couple of times he came down to the office, to the factory, just a gentleman, you know, and a, a living legend at the time, obviously, and, and as a as a player, as a as a drummer in Boston, and as a teacher, um, he was unparalleled. I think there was there there are a lot of great players who teach and a lot of great teachers who play, uh, but I don't know that there was there's ever going to be somebody like Alan Dawson to come down the pike. You know, um, yeah, incredible. Yeah, I, yeah. I'll, I'll I I, re I asked about your reading because a friend of mine. Um, Alan lived in Lexington, Mass., and a, a friend of mine studied with him, a really good drummer. And I thought, well, I, and I was getting some lessons from him on how to learn to read music, but I, it was very early days. And I wanted to apply to Berkeley, and I knew I had to have some reading to go to Berkeley. And I called Alan Dawson for lessons. And when he asked me if I could read music or it came up, we actually spoke on the phone. And I told him, like, I, I was just learning to read. And he basically said, then, you know, come back, come back when you can read music. And it, it bummed me out, but I realized I was too young and dumb to realize it would have been a waste of obviously his time and my time to study with a master like Alan and not be, you know, prepared to absorb, to, to learn what he was going to teach me. Um, so mm -hmm. I, yeah, so I, I well, um, you, 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 you would have to prep to study with him because you know, yeah. uh, that's the upper echelon, you know, yeah. it's like going to study calculus, you know, you have to go through the, the steps prior to calculus to get to studying calculus, yeah. you know? So, I mean, I had taken drum lessons in, in high school and, and I went to college prep, um, classes for snare drum studies, drum set studies and traditional harmony at Hart College of Music before I got to Berkeley. You know, so there were some things that 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 I had already been exposed to, uh, you know, before getting there. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a big help for me as well. It helped my ear. It helped my eyes. You know, it, it was a big help in terms of me understanding and being able to grasp the stuff quicker. You know, because that's what reading is. It's about being able to, you know, um, uh, fill up your Rolodex with uh, with other choices, with many choices, and to be able to, you know, uh, gather information quickly, to be able to, you know, go through songs quickly um, and to understand, you know, form and, you know, and such. It's it's all, it's all a part of it. Now, we, we know some people who, couldn't read a note. Um, and it doesn't mean that they weren't excellent musicians, but I think that, you know, when you study, I think it just gives you much more to draw from, you know, and it, and it, and it just makes your, your whole 
bag of choices so much bigger. And that's what we want. Well, that's what I want. I want choices. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, after this conversation, I'm going to kick myself back into gear. Thanks, Johnny. <laughs> Johnny D. <laughs> uh-huh. Cindy, it's so great to see you. I miss you like crazy. And <laughs> we've had so, so many great times. And and I just have to say, and, and there are so many people watching this and so many beautiful comments about you. Um, but you're always in gear. I, I can't imagine you ever not being the Cindy Blackman Santana that I know. So in love. <laughs> well, I like to try to, be, I like to push and like you do, you know, you, you, you're not, you don't sit still, you know, you are a doer, you get things done. I, I, I know that cause I've worked with you, you know, Thank you. Um, and, and I'm the same way, you know, I, I, I like to get things done. I like to stay on top of my game, you know? Um, so this is, this is good. I, I love inspiration and you yeah. are inspired. Well, good. Well, you're, you're inspiring me too. I have to tell you. Um, and so I'm going to just jump back a little bit to, you mentioned you'd already moved to New York, you know, by the, by the eighties, um, you'd left Berkeley and you were living in New York and, and I, I know we met, I, by my recollection, 1992, I was thinking it was before you started playing with Lenny. And so you, you really had kind of immersed yourself into the New York jazz scene for like a, a solid decade probably before like you, you know, got the gig with Lenny and, and, um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. And that wasn't the gig that I was looking for or expecting to do. Right. I wasn't thinking about going in that direction. You know, I wanted to play with miles. <laughs> I wanted to play with, <laughs> you know, with Herbie or Wayne, you know, and Freddie Hubbard. These are the people that, that I wanted to play with. So I wasn't even thinking about a gig like that. And I mean, by the grace of God, it did, some great things for me, you know, as, as a person. And, 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 uh, it was a great thing to experience as a player too, you know, um, and then just to be able to travel and do all those world tours and, you know, all the playing that we did. I mean, we logged in thousands of hours playing, um, together. So, you know, it was, it was amazing, but I wasn't looking for that actually. Right. No. And I, I want to talk to you about that too. And I, I, I remember getting a phone call from, I, th- I think it was Barry Greenspan at Drummer's World in New York. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Did you used to go into Barry's shop? I think you did. Absolutely. I was yeah. uh, Barry. I love Barry. Yeah. I was always me in too. that shop. <laughs> yeah. And I, and it was Barry that called me and said, and I, I know I'd heard your name, um, but you know, I, I guess we just had never like met at any of the things that were happening in New York during those years. And, uh, but I, I definitely had heard your name, you know, on the scene in New York and, and Barry, I think he said, you know, you should sign her up. I think she, I think she would sign up with, you know, sign with you guys. And I remember we got in touch by telephone and you came up to Zildjian and, and I, I remember this about you too. What I, what I admire, admired and still admire to this day is that you were very dedicated to sound. You were kind of, I think, I don't want to say you were on the fence, but you, you wanted to make sure you could find the sim- the sounds that you had in your head and you mm-hmm. weren't, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, Zilchin's going to sign me up to an endorsement. Yippee. I'm going to go, you know, you were, you were great. You were like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to come up and, and check out some symbols. And, and, uh, and I realized, you know, like you, you, when I heard you play and, you know, you had a definite sound in your head of like what you were looking for. And it, and it, that makes it easy too. You know, when you, when the person that comes in the room knows what they're looking for. 
the, the hard part is hopefully we have that sound, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I think you did. I think we did at that time. And it, it was this, the beginning of a great friendship that I'm yeah. so proud to say continues today. But I just want to say, and I'll, I'll stop talking in a minute, but um, it was like a year later, 1993. I, this is what I recall turning on MTV. And it was one of those spring, um, spring break, parties or something and there's Lenny Kravitz and there's you playing and, <laughs> I, and I'm that was like, like my first gig in Florida gig yeah and I right and I it was like must have been taped because I called you like the next day or a couple of days later and I said Cindy are you playing with Lenny Kravitz and you went like mm-hmm <laughs> <laughs> but it, you were so humble about it you weren't you weren't like yeah it was just like yeah yeah I am <laughs> <laughs> That's that's what I remember anyway. And and um, can would you mind sharing the story of how that came about playing with Lenny the the sort of audition that you had? Oh sure, absolutely. It's it's really funny because um, I was at the time dating Wallace Roney, the great trumpet player. Who God God rest his soul, uh, rest in peace. Um, he passed. Uh, um, his brother um, Antoine. Yeah. Great saxophone player as well. Um, and, you know, we're still like brother and sister to this day. Uh, he was good friends with Lenny. In fact, he recorded something with Lenny. And so he said to me one day, he said, you know, you know, this guy, Lenny Kravitz? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever heard his music? And I said, no. <laughs> Have you own any Miles Davis records? No, I haven't heard <laughs> You play with Tony? Uh, I haven't heard him. <laughs> That's my criteria. Um, uh, but you know, he's saying, <laughs> uh, he was telling me that, you know, Lenny was looking for a drummer and he had been looking for like a year and a half. And he said, I don't have his number, but he calls me every now and then. And next time he calls, if he's still looking for a drummer, would you be interested in checking him out? You know, and, and he said, he likes Gretsch drums and K-Zojin cymbals. And I said, wow, he's got ears. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that was important to me because I, I, you know, I realized that he could hear, you know, in a, in a manner that was similar to what I thought was the greatest thing on the planet, yeah. you know? So that gave me, you know, um, a kind of a familiarity with him already. And um, I learned from Antoine that he was the husband of Lisa Bonet. And I'm like, okay, I know Lisa Bonet because I watched the Cosby show. So, all right. Yeah. And maybe about six months later, um, three, three months, four months, five months, six months, something like that. Uh, and phone called me. He says, I got, I got my friend Lenny on the line. You want to talk to him? He's still looking for a drummer. And I said, okay. And um, Lenny got on the line. He was very nice. You know, was a very nice person. And he, and he asked me if I had drums set up in my house. And I said, yes. And he asked me to play. So I put the phone down and I started playing and, you know, I went back to the phone after about five or six minutes and I said, um, could you could you make anything out? Was that clear? Because, you know, you're talking about a f small yeah. phone speaker and I wasn't playing soft, you know, <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, he, said, <laughs> he said, yeah, I can hear it. I'm in L.A. Can you fly out here right now? So he... Um, he had somebody call me. They got me a ticket. I left like 6 a.m. the next morning. Tired, you know, I was kind of got there with jet lag, got to, to L.A. 
And um, surprisingly enough, he came and picked me up at the airport himself. Wow. You know, I was surprised. And I, I didn't know who he was, but when I saw this person, I knew that it was him because he had the big dreadlocks and the, you know, the clothing and the, the shoes yeah. and, you know, the leather pants. I'm like, that's got to be him. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, he, 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 we left the airport and he took me first to um, his mother's house. I think she was living in Bel Air and he took me there and, um, I didn't know where we were going, but we drove up and he says, yeah, this is my mom's house. And so she opens the door and I'm like, Roxy Roker is your mother. <laughs> oh my God. My mind was blown because I love her, you know? And yeah. to my, to my joy, she was just as nice as I imagined her to be. She was so sweet. Oh. You know, the sweetness that you see on that TV show that she was on good times was that plus in person. I mean, she was incredible. I, I fell in love with her as a person right away. You know, mm. I thought this woman is amazing. So, you know, I get to meet her and then he actually drove me to a casting that he was doing. <laughs> we did some casting for some movie. And then we went to the house that he was staying at, this house that Rick Rubin had just purchased. And there was nothing in it. It was barren. Um, and then they took me downstairs to where the... Uh, audition or rehearsal was going to be. I didn't know if it was an audition or what. I just knew we were going to play. I just figured it was a jam session. And the instruments hadn't arrived yet from SIR. Um, and maybe about an hour into me sitting there by myself, because I didn't know anybody, you know, I'm just kind of twiddling my thumbs and sitting there. I see these people start to walk in the door and, and I see this one guy come in and he had a bass drum pedal. Somebody had a stick bag. Another person had a cymbal. And I'm like, that's a weird way to bring the drums in. <laughs> thought, Wait a minute. These are not drums. These are drummers. This is an audition. There were like 40 drummers there, you know, wow. that show to audition. And I'm thinking, okay, I need to just chill out for a minute. So I went outside by the pool, which had no water in it, <laughs> but there was a lawn chair out there. And so I got in this lawn chair that had a bunch of leaves on it. You know, I took a bunch of the leaves off and I, I laid down and I fell asleep actually because I had jet lag. I'd been up most of the night and you know, the long flight, I couldn't really sleep. And um, his assistant came out, Deborah, and she says, uh, Cindy, Lenny started already. He's looking for you. He wanted you to play first. I said, Oh, okay. So I went and I, I played and uh, he had everybody play. Um, they had a, a, a tape loop going of, of his song, Are You Gonna Go My Way, which was getting ready to come out. It wasn't out yet, but it was that was the single that was coming out uh, for that record. And so he had everybody play that and he had everybody play, um, I guess, what did I play? A blues and something else. I don't remember what. Um, the one drummer had played already. I came in and I played and he actually called the audition off. He says, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm going to I choose Cindy. And uh, I walked out of the room and his manager came in and I believe that his manager said, dude, you got like 38 other people out there, 39 people. You know, you got to that's not fair. You know, you got to hear them. So he heard all of them. Um, and I was just kind of wandering around the grounds and he found one guy that he liked. And there was another person coming in who called, even though they said don't come because uh, we're pretty set on Cindy. Uh, he said, I'm coming anyway. He was flying in from London. Uh, this oh. drummer, Mike Lee. Oh, sure, so, yeah. Uh, he had 
the other drummer, I forget who the drummer was that he liked, but he had that guy play, me play. We played, you know, um, uh, opposite each other. So he would play a song, I play a song, he play a song. And Lenny said, okay, I, I like Cindy still. And so then Michael came and he had us do the same thing. And he chose me as well. And, you know, I have to say, you know, rest in peace to Michael Lee. He's a, a, a great drummer. I, I loved his drumming. He ended up playing uh, with Robert Plant. And we toured with them. We toured opposite them because uh, Robert um, opened up for Lenny on a, on a European tour that we did. And Michael was such a nice guy. Uh, so for God bless him, he passed really early. Um, but anyway, that's how that happened. And I ended up staying for two weeks. I had packed for, for two days which is what Lenny said to do. He said, I'm just going to have you here for a couple of days and then I'll send you home. No strings attached. Um, <laughs> so I had the same clothes that I had to wash out, you know, and, you know same clothes for two weeks and uh, eating pizza that they were tossing down to me in the basement while I was learning the songs and <laughs> we rehearsed. Wow. Then we did already going to go my way at the end of that, which was my first video with him. Right. Um, yes. Right. And it was and about a, Hmm. I was just going to say, and had you had you had a chance to hear this when you played that for the audition? Were you hearing it for the first time? Like, were you kind of just hearing it and going, "Okay, I'm I'm going to just pick up the vibe of this song and play it"? Or yeah, yeah, I was yes. hearing it for the first time. I hadn't heard that because it wasn't out, and right. he they didn't send me any music or play anything before. He just had that running on loop, so it was just playing, you know, over and over again, so people could hear it. You know, so um, I, I just played it, you know, the way I was feeling it. Um, yeah. And then um, after the um, after the shoot, which was like a 16 hour shoot or something like that, 18 hours, um, something. Uh, he and his manager and his assistant and, and the, the rhythm section at the time, uh, Craig Ross and, and Tony Bright on bass, they, they walked me outside. And then he said, um, so you want to join my band? And I said, yeah, when do we start? And he started laughing. He said, we started two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a good sense of humor. He's like, yeah, we started two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Wow. What And what a what a great um, situation that was for you, for you for so long, you know, for like 15 years or so? I did 17 years because I went back. Um, I played with him in 2014 and 2015 as well. That's right. So I forgot. Yeah. For uh, 17 years altogether. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a great run. What a great run. And yeah, that was, was after you, uh, that was and so in 2014, 15, you had already started playing with Carlos. So you were, you were able to sort of fit that into um, an already busy gig schedule. And that's, that's, well, I was cool. not, I wasn't, I wasn't touring with Carlos. I would, I would go with him. Um, because at that point we were married, we got married in 2010. So if I was on a tour, oh, I'm sorry, this is, let me fix that. If I was on the tour, um, I would sit in, mm, uh, but okay. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a part of the band at that point, but he would just have me come up and sit in. Um, okay. then, um, he asked me to actually join the band because he went through some drummer changes, um, you know, uh, and, in 2016, he asked me to join the band. Right. So I've okay. been a band member since then, since 2016. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, that's great. And I saw you that year. I don't know why. I thought, I knew Dennis, of course, had been doing it. By the way, yesterday was Dennis's yeah. birthday. Shout out to Dennis Chambers. Happy um, birthday, Dennis. Happy birthday. And Charlie Drayton and Will Kennedy all share the same birthday. Oh, my goodness. Happy birthday, guys. Yeah. Every year I send a, a group text to those guys for their... <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I, not just once a year, but anyway, I, it's always a, you know, I, one year I was a day late and Will Kennedy said, we, we've been sitting here waiting for your text, man. You know, it's kind of funny, but, <laughs> but, um, I was just going to say, yeah, I don't know why I thought, I thought it was, I knew you guys got married in 2010 and I thought it was not long after that. I knew you'd been, had been sitting in and I thought you started playing with him around that time, but my mistake. Yeah. So 2016, no, and, you know, it's, it's funny because Carlos said, um, uh, that, uh, cause I subbed for, for Dennis in a, in a, in a gig, um, which was the first time I actually played with Santana. Um, and later he said, you know, I was, you know, when I was going through drummer changes, I was thinking about hiring you. And, and some of the guys in my camp said, oh, no, 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 don't hire her. You know, you're, you're married. You're in a relationship. That won't work. Don't do it. Don't hire her. It's not going to work. <laughs> and so I, I listened. He says, but I don't listen to that. He says, how do you feel about it? You know, and so then I'm like, well, I think that we would know if it's not working, then we won't do it. You know, I, we're mature. And for me, and I like to say this regardless of my situation, uh, my marital situation, but just for people to know, the bandstand is a sacred place. You know, for me, it's it's like prayer. It's like heavy meditation. You know, not that I'm thinking of praying or meditating when I'm playing. I'm thinking about the music and my uh, my devotion is to, to the music. But to me, there's such a, a spiritual connection that happens that that's what's really going on, you know. Um, so that's a sacred space for me, and I don't, I don't take that lightly at all. No matter whose bandstand it is, it's it's a really important space. So, you know, um, it 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 works out uh, for us because you know we we both have that same kind of understanding about the bandstand, and we both have that same kind of understanding for each other in terms of space you know yeah yeah that's that's wonderful cindy that's that's so refreshing and such wonderful insight um and i think that comes from obviously both of you being um you know mature adults and 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 professionals you know that respect the music and and like you said the bandstand is a sacred place when you're there you put everything else i don't want to say everything else aside but i mean like you know if 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 there was some weird negative energy that happened to be happening between the two of you, you'd both be able to go there and, and, you know, and, and, and play a great gig. It wouldn't get in the way of that. That's, you know, with, with the mindset that you guys take on, you know, and I, I can't imagine anything negative, but. <laughs> Actually, you know, n negative is, is a very rare occasion in this house. Um, and I, yeah. I say, I'm very happy about that. I, I have a partner who's, <laughs> who's very much into peace and joy, yeah. you know, like I am, you yeah. know, so, and then that's a, that's, that's a good thing. So those, those, those are not moments that we uh, have experienced very much at all in, that's great. in we'll be 13 years in December. Wow. Fantastic. God bless you guys. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I, and I know you really well. And I, and from what I know of Carlos, I see that exactly what you're saying, the same thing. It's only positive vibes and energy you you ever um feel from him you know from the things that he says and does you know it's it's like you guys you're the perfect match you really are you're just like perfect oh thank you and i mean you know it's also the way that you ingest something and and the way that you put something out because you know 
things are the way that we interpret something and the energy that we allow something to have is the energy that's going to be emitted. So, you know, um, if there's something to discuss and of course there's things to discuss, but it depends on how you approach that topic, you know, how you approach the conversation, you know, do you get upset about something and start yelling? That could happen. You know, yeah, that's happened. Um, But do you, Take that and turn that into into a conversation that can happen in a mature way, in a way that's good for the benefit of all. You know, so uh, for me, I <laughs> I'm very um, picky and choicy about the way that I say things because you know I want things to come out a certain way. So I, mm-hmm. I I'm very careful to choose the way that I say them to make sure that things come out, you know, not as reactive, but as, you know, helpful for the situation. Yeah. Great, great words of advice, you know, um, you know, that's what I try to do. (laughs) Look before you leap. (laughs) Um, I want to, I want to just read a couple of comments. There's so many great comments and there've been some questions I've sort of skipped past. Um, and I apologize to all you folks. I just didn't, this, conversation has been so fantastic. I didn't want to interrupt it. Um, I'm going to just, if, if you don't mind, Cindy, I'm going to just read a couple of the questions and we'll, we'll start to wrap things up. Cause I, I know we could stay here all day doing this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let me just jump in here to the feed for one second. All right. Anthony Cusinas, uh question, Cindy, since Tony Williams was such a big influence in your playing, how were you able to break away from another clone to finding your own voice? Good question. Um, you know, it's like you, you take the things that you, you love from the heroes that you listen to. And first you're going to play them as much in exact form as you can. And then you, you turn them around, you play them backwards, you, you turn them inside out and you do something different with them. You play them on a different part of the drum. And when you start to do that, then you start to hear different things. You start to hear other things, you know? Um, so that's what I, what I do. I, I, sometimes I try to, I think of, okay, what did Tony play on that turnaround right there? Okay. He played this on that turnaround right there. Well, how about, if in that turnaround spot, I understand why he needed to do that there, but I'm going to do this there. So I'm going to do something there to push or pull that music, you know, give it what it needs at that moment, but I'm going to do this instead. Or, you know what, I'm going to do that because I still like it. You know, I always love it. Yeah. You know, you can change things around. So it's just about how you think about and how you process, you know, what you're hearing from, um, Tony or, or any drummer that, that you love. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I mean, at a, at a much lower, you know, 100 foot level where I am, <laughs> as opposed to you, um, you know, I, I, I think what you're saying is, is exactly true that you can, you can love someone's playing and it can be a huge influence, but it doesn't mean that you're going to, that every fill that you choose to play is going to be what Tony would have played. It's like things might remind you like something that Tony does reminds you of this and you play this because it's in that same sort of vocabulary. Right. But it's, it's not a lick for lick. Cause I've, I've seen you enough to, to know that, that you're, 
you have that influence, but you, you are your own person. You are your own, you have your own style, um, the way you play. And no, thank you. Thank you. It, it, it gets harder with Tony when you, when you start to, uh, because he was so studied, you know, like there were a couple of times when I would take a Tony thing and I turned it around and I played it differently. I'm like, Oh shoot, that's really Joe. Okay. That's, that's so-and-so. Okay. Now I got to do something <laughs> else with it, you know, because he already turned it around and admitted that, you know, <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. That's, that's <laughs> great. That is great. A, um, a friend of mine who runs a Facebook page called Dawson's Disciples, my friend Mike Powers, great drummer, um, is asking, would love for Cindy to participate in some stories. Oh, well, you're not on Facebook, though, right? I don't think you are. Uh, I have a Facebook page. Yeah, you yeah, do? I do. Okay. I'd, I'd, I'd love to participate in some stories. Sure. Okay. Well, maybe maybe when we, you and I can talk about it offline and I can connect you guys and... and make that happen. That would be great. I think that would be wonderful if you, if you were able to do that. Great. Be awesome. Yeah. Um, Dave Patrick said, Cindy is doing great honor to Tony's legacy. She's such a fine musician on her own as well. Amen. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, I saw Buddy Williams had jumped on here for a second and I was going to, yeah, I know. I know. I love Buddy. And I, oh, he just, <laughs> Cindy, outstanding musician. Enough said. Oh. <laughs> Wow, that's yeah. an honor. He's awesome. The great Buddy Williams, who will yeah, be on one of these future episodes as well. Uh, yeah, awesome. absolutely. Well, so so as far as um, right now, are there some projects you're working on? I know you're going to be on tour with Santana this summer, probably. Yes, we're going to do some. It's, it's a light touring year. We, we toured like crazy last summer. Uh, this yeah. is a light Santana uh, touring year. So I'll be splitting my... Uh, touring with doing some Santana stuff and doing some stuff with my band. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And, sure and that, that'll be, will that be like in the summer or in the fall or? Uh, summer. Yeah. We have a couple things in the fall, but, but mainly we're, we're doing stuff in the summer. Um, we start up um, in June. Uh, the first gig is the 11th in um, Napa at the Napa Blue Note. Great. We're going to do the for Jazz Festival. We're going to do Saratoga. Um, we're going to do um, Bethesda Blues and Jazz Club um, in Maryland. And um, I have actually the, the day that I do <laughs> Saratoga, it worked out so well. My band plays at like noon or 1230 or something. We play our set. And then I hop in a car and drive couple of hours to catch up to the Santana tour and I do a Santana gig. All that's right. going to be a fun day. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be. <laughs> you're, you're in, you're in shape to do that where a lot of us would be, you know, yeah, that's great. That'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be fun. So then we have, you know, we, we have some other, uh, you know, the rest of Santana stuff. And then uh, my band starts back up again in um, August and we do um, play uh, Birdland in New York. I've never played Birdland before, so that's going to be fun. Wow, we do Jim yeah. in New Hampshire, um, which is a great club. So much fun. Uh, that's also great. Uh, we do Keystone Corner as well on Baltimore, and that's great too. The great Top Bark and celebrating uh, his birthday. <laughs> How fantastic! And the, the gig in New Hampshire is that in? Do you know what what city that's in? Is that in? Um, is it in? Do you that's know if it's in, in um, 
Is it Manchester uh, or Portsmouth? Uh, it's in Portsmouth. Portsmouth. Okay. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to look that up and, and I'll put a link Cindy to your website. Um, when we, when we put this up so people can presumably they can see tour dates or find tour dates, I'm guessing on there, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Oh, you're welcome. Absolutely. Well, no, this has been great. And it's been such a pleasure to catch up with you today and, and do this. And I'm just going to take one more quick look through to see, um, Steve Ford, Cindy, is, is Cindy still playing Gretsch drums? Of course she is. <laughs> I'll answer that yes, for you. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes. Um, well, there's, there's many, many great comments and so much love for you, including myself. Um, and I thank you so much for being here today, Cindy. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Johnny D. It's always a pleasure. You are one of my favorite people. I'm so glad that uh, we're able to be in touch. And, you know, I've always had a, a great reverence and, and respect and love for you as, as my dear friend. And uh, so this, this is an honor. Thank you so much. Wow. Thank you. I'm, the pleasure is all mine and the honor is all mine. And I, and I thank you again. You're the best. Thank you. All right. Well, if you'll sit with me for one minute, I'll, uh, I'll end the live show. We'll say goodbye to everybody. Thank you for tuning in today. Cindy Blackman Santana. Wow. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. That's my show. Thanks for listening. You can watch episodes of Live from My Drum Room live in real time on Facebook Live by following my Facebook page, Live from My Drum Room with John DeChristopher, and also my YouTube channel, Live from My Drum Room with John DeChristopher. And while you're there on YouTube, check out my new show, Track Talk, iconic songs with iconic drum parts and the drummers who created them. It's really cool. Check it out. Shorter episodes. You'll love it. And Track Talk is only available as part of my Live From My Drum Room series on my Live From My Drum Room YouTube channel and podcast platforms. So please subscribe. All Live From My Drum Room and Track Talk podcasts are available on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc. I also want to give a big thanks to my friend Steve Gadd for providing the music for my show. That's really Steve. And remember, no drummers are harmed during any episodes of Live From My Drum Room or Track Talk. So drummers, remember, when in doubt, leave it out, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.